Uh, Genesis 40. Let's go ahead and just pick it right up here. And uh, we'll start in verse 1. It says, It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And the Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard and in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with his own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me, please. Now, a little bit of background here, if you haven't been with us last few weeks. We've been talking about this, the bookends of Joseph's life, these two passages, the first one and the book of Psalms, where it says that the Lord allowed these things to happen to Joseph for his heart to be tested and his heart to become like iron. And this has been our point the last few weeks. God allows things to happen in your life to test you, to make you stronger, to work you out, if you will. I was just reading devotions the other day where it talked about how we're supposed to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, when you work out your salvation, doesn't mean you work for your salvation. You're working it out. That means you're taking something that exists, your salvation, and making it stronger. When you work out your salvation, you're not creating salvation. Just like when you work out physically. Biceps don't become triceps, and triceps don't become quadriceps. You just take the existing muscle and make them stronger. So what the Lord is doing with Joseph is taking this initial heart that's already there and making it stronger, stronger like iron, because God had something bigger and better for him. Now, if you were with us last week, we talked about how when God allows things to happen in your life, it's either one, to make you stronger in the Lord, or the other one, the honest one, is also sometimes we bring it on ourselves. You have to be able to distinguish between that, which one is going on. In Joseph's life, the Lord is allowing these things to happen in Joseph's life. And what is he allowed to happen? Joseph was sold as a slave. Joseph was accused of rape, which he didn't commit. And Joseph is now thrown in prison. These are things that Joseph didn't do. Joseph didn't deserve any of this, but God is allowing this to happen. So that's the first part of Joseph's life. The second part is found at the end. After Jacob dies, Joseph looks at his brothers who allowed this to happen by selling him and said, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. That's the second part of Joseph's life. So you're going through something right now. The Lord is using this. There's going to be a time where you can look back and say, Lord, it was meant for evil, but it's actually going to turn out good. I can be used in this capacity Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. How often do we give up? We're so close. Galatians tells us, do not grow weary while doing good. Hang in there. So Joseph, in prison, for a crime he did not commit. And next thing you know, he's running the prison. The Lord is with him. Jump back to verse 23 of the previous chapter. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. As we joked last week, if the Lord is with him, why doesn't the Lord get him out? Well, sometimes the Lord allows things, once again in your life, to grow us and to get us stronger. So, Joseph's in here for a reason, and his ministry right now is to the butler and the baker. Now, the Bible's mysteriously silent on the candlestick maker. But, I love that joke. I just want to let you know, you guys have heard it before. Every time we teach through Genesis 40, I'm going to say it. 20 years from now, you're going to say, I know what he's going to say. And I don't care. I love that. I'm going to say it one more time. The Bible is mysteriously silent on the candlestick maker. I just made myself happy. So moving on, what's going on? We don't know what these guys did. We don't know what they're in there for. And it really doesn't matter. But they both had a dream. And they're both worked up about this dream. Joseph says, what can we do here? Verse 8. Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me, please. Now we need to stop here for a second. 
this idea of dreaming. This is kind of an interesting concept that's continued throughout the entire Bible. If you look and just our study in Genesis alone, God spoke to Abimelech in dreams. He spoke to Jacob in dreams. He spoke to Laban in dreams. And he spoke to Joseph in dreams. And those weren't the only guys. If you've ever studied out the book of Daniel, Daniel is constantly being spoken to in dreams by the Lord. And it's not even an Old Testament thing. You also see it in the New Testament. In the New Testament, Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, if you will, he was spoken to in dreams. Now, it seems to change a little bit, though, once we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us through the day of Pentecost. It doesn't mean that it's completely over and done. No, because we know what it says in the book of Joel. The Joel says that in the end days when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that the old men will dream dreams and the young men will see visions. So it's not that God has completely closed the door. God can and will still use dreams. But what seems to happen more in the New Testament is just the Holy Spirit leading, guiding, and directing. So what do you do, though, when you have a dream and you're trying to figure out if this is the Lord or not? I, I actually get this question asked a lot. People call me up and say, I had this dream. What do you think it means? And I say right from the beginning, just like Joseph, do not interpretations belong to God. There's not a gift of the spirit of uh, explaining dreams. And I don't know about you guys. I've had some funky dreams. I really don't want to know what the explanation of those dreams are. But... The Lord works through it. So we have to set some guidelines for this because you will run into people that run this course of the dreams. And it doesn't mean God's not in it, but we have to base everything on Scripture. We have to. First point is God can and will use them. Joel 2.28 makes it clear God can and will use dreams. So now let's go through our checklist to see if it lines up with God. If you're taking notes, just write these passages down. First one is Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, and it's the main chunk of the passage. The Word of God trumps dreams. Let me say that again. The Word of God trumps dreams. I had a guy come to me, boy, it's probably been 10 plus years ago, and I've shared this with you before, that uh, he claimed Jesus appeared to him in a dream and told him to rob a store. And I said, Jesus did not appear to you in a dream and tell you to rob a store. This guy was animate. Jesus appeared to him in a dream. So the guy got in trouble, and he wanted to know why the Lord allowed that to happen. Why would Jesus tell him to go do it and then get in trouble? I kept trying to tell him, Jesus would not appear to you in a dream and tell you to rob a store. The Word of God tells me Jesus would not take you down that path. The Word of God trumps dreams. So if you flip on the television or you flip on the radio or one of your co-workers wants to tell you about some dream of the Lord and it does not line up with Scripture, there's not a question on who's right. Scripture is right, the dreamer is wrong. The Word of God will not, excuse me, dreams will not contradict the Word of God. It's of the Lord, it won't. Now, continuing down this path though, how do you explain some of these dreams? Have you ever had those dreams where you wake up and it felt so real? I mean, you wake up and your heart's pounding and it's hard to get back to sleep because it just felt so real. Ecclesiastes 5 tells us this. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. You know, I know that's not really that biblical, is it? I tell my boys all the time when they wake up and they always, every morning around the breakfast table, you know, there's five, there's six of us usually at breakfast, so, and the five boys and I are eating breakfast and we always have to talk about dreams. And sometimes it's like, you know, guys, the last thing you were watched on TV, that's what you're going to dream about. You know, the, try to explain to them the brain is an organ. Sometimes it doesn't really shut down as well. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. That's a biblical point. Ecclesiastes 5.5. 5. So if you wake up in the morning and you had one of those strange dreams, don't worry yourself so much about that. If it's of the Lord, he'll reveal that to you. 
But you also got to be careful because in that same passage in Ecclesiastes 5, it says that people that focus on the dreams become prideful. Have you ever run into somebody like that? I've run into people like that where basically they look down on you because you're not having dreams. It's like every night the Lord speaks to them in some dreams and it's like, why isn't the Lord speaking to you? And it becomes an element of pride. The Bible actually warns us of that. If you actually remember one of Job's friends in the book of Job, basically he was the dreamer guy. He was the guy that said, in the middle of the night, I hear the noises, and I hear the rustling of the wind, and I feel the breeze upon me, and that's how the Lord speaks to me. It's like, come on, man. No. He's the dreamer guy. And that's Job basically says, not going to do it. Go with me, if you will, real quick to Deuteronomy 13. Deuteronomy 13. This is probably the best passage on dreams and visions and prophecy. Deuteronomy 13. Let's just recap some of this. God has used dreams numerous times, not only in our study in Genesis and other places in the Bible. God can and still will use them today. Joel 2.28, which is also quoted again in Acts 2, as you're going to Deuteronomy 13. But there are some rules we have to remember. The Word of God trumps dreams. The Word of God trumps dreams. Ecclesiastes 5 says sometimes too much activity is what gives you dreams. Ecclesiastes 5 says be careful to not get prideful about it. How do we find the balance? Deuteronomy 13. Verse 1, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder and the sign of the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. You should not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice. You shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. Look at this. Do you see what God is saying there? Verse 1, some guy shows up, a prophet or a dreamer. He comes into the church and says, I had a dream. This is what's going to happen. And guess what? It happens. Verse 2, the sign or the wonder comes to pass. But what he wants to do is, verse 2, is take you down a path of let's go after other gods. Verse 3, don't listen to him. The Lord is testing you. God says, I will allow that stuff to come into your life to test you, to say, do you believe me? Do you believe my word? What did Paul say in the book of Galatians? Even if an angel appears to you and preaches to you another gospel, do not believe them. Have you ever went out and studied some of these other false religions and how they came about? Angels and visions and dreams. Now, why would the Lord 2,000 years ago tell Paul to put that verse in the Bible? He was giving you a forewarning. The problem is when somebody comes to you with a vision or a dream and it sounds good, we automatically don't feel real spiritual. Well, God's talking to them. He's not talking to me. So they must be right. Well, even what they said kind of sounds, sounds right. It amazes me sometimes that people send me these links or have me look up these people, and they're supposedly these prophets. And they say, look at all these prophecies that come true. Somebody sent me one the other day, and I was watching it on YouTube, and it's like, this guy prophesies this, this guy prophesied that. And then you go back and actually listen to the prophecy. They're so vague. They're so something. And you're like, this isn't of the Lord. If you go back and read the prophecies of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel... God's a God of detail. In fact, God actually says, if you want to know I'm God, trust me, I'm the only one that gives out prophecy. Everybody else is just attempting and they can't do it. And God says here in Deuteronomy 13, if these people come to you and it comes to pass, verse 2, 
Don't go after them because they want to take you down the path of another God. Verse 5, but if that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from that way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk so you shall put away the evil from your midst. Do you realize how that would really cut down on certain people on television if we still follow these rules today? It would really make quite a difference. And every time I talk about this, somebody always comes up to me after church and says, not everybody on television is bad. I agree. But there's a lot that are. And the sad part is, is that a lot of times non-believers see these people, and that's what they judge Christianity off of. And so God is telling us here, listen, here are the rules. Even if it comes to pass, doesn't mean it's of me. It's a test to say, will you follow me and my word? And Old Testament law which we're thankful we're not under, if they said it was going to happen and it doesn't, let's just put them to death and that would nip that in the bud right there. So, dreams, God still uses. The Holy Spirit can still move in that area. It seems like, though, when you study out the book of Acts, it doesn't seem to happen as much because the Holy Spirit is the one that now reveals things rather than the dreams. But Joel 2.28 does say that in times, old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. Rich and I have this ongoing joke with each other. I asked him, did you have a dream? He goes, no, did you have a vision? You get it? Old men dream. Yeah, this whole transition change tonight's not clicking, I can tell that right now. So, we find it funny. But the point is, the Lord still can use it, the Lord still will use it, but we have to make sure everything lines up with the biblical mandates that he gave us here with this. So, any quick questions, comments about this before we get into the actual dreams of the butler and the baker before we move on? Ryan. Yeah, it, it could have been. I mean, that could have been part of their logic behind it. And that may have been some of the verses they possibly used to justify that. But when Jesus actually spoke to them, he just came out and said, you're a whitewashed tomb. So you're right that possibly maybe they used those passages to defend their logic on why we're not going to accept this guy. But Christ kind of looked through their hearts and said, your hearts just aren't ready to receive me. But you bring up a valid point. They may have thought that as well, too. Anybody else have anything here before we move on? Yeah, Rose. Yeah, like I said, it's absolutely fascinating if you go back and look up some of these um, religions, for lack of a better word, that have become very predominant on the 21st century. And if you go study out how they came about, they use this background of dreams and visions. And it just doesn't line up with Scripture. It just doesn't. But people accept that because it sounds good, and God says, nope, you've got to be able to test. That's one of the things I think we've lost as a church in, in the 21st century church. First John says it's so simple. It says, test the spirits. And we don't test anything anymore. We just assume. They look good. They sound good. They have a pulpit. They have a Bible. We just believe it. We're really, we're supposed to take everything that somebody says, including anybody who ever teaches out here, myself included. Look through the scriptures. Check out the references. Make sure it lines up with the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, there's a problem. The Word of God is the filter that everything has to go through. If it doesn't go through the Word of God, it's not biblical. It's not of the Lord. We have to remember that. Anybody else have anything they want to say here before we move on? All right, so let's see about these dreams. Let's see about these interpretations. Verse 9, Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in that vine were three branches. 
And it was though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, its it blossoms shot forth, its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it, the three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former matter when you were his butler. But remember we, me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me, make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into this dungeon. So, good interpretation. Three days, you're back on the job. Don't worry about it. Now, I find verses 14 and 15 very interesting. Remember me. Remember me. Now, Joseph is a guy that we can really base a lot on. And it's kind of interesting because Joseph seems to have a moment here. Where it's like, hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Get me out of here. And before we pick on Joseph too much, do you remember what John the Baptist thought? In Matthew 11 and Luke 7, John the Baptist is arrested for speaking out against Herod. And John the Baptist sends a couple of his disciples to Jesus when John the Baptist is in prison. And John the Baptist asks Jesus, are you the Messiah or should we look for another? Because John the Baptist seemed to be thinking, if you're really the Messiah, why am I in jail? Now, let's just be honest. How many of us have had dark moments of faith in a dark time? Joseph in jail for a crime he didn't commit. Remember me. Get me out of here. John the Baptist in jail looking at death. Are you the Messiah? Are you sure about this? See, a lot of times as believers, we don't like to admit that we have these moments of, Lord, I don't know. I tell you this, the longer I walk with the Lord, the more I find myself just going back to the book of Psalms. And in the book of Psalms are some of the most honest passages in the entire Bible, where these psalmists write things like, Lord, where are you? Or highly paraphrased, Lord, what are you doing? Have you ever thought that in your life? Lord, what are you doing? Now, public, we say, praise God, he's good. Privately, Lord, what are you doing? So this is where I appreciate the honesty of Joseph, because Joseph here sees that glimmer of hope and says, get me out of here. And guess what? It's been going to be at least another two years before it happens. That's the Lord's way of saying, I'll get you out of here when it's time. Have you ever had that little crisis of faith, where instead of turning to the Lord, you turn to a human being, hoping they'd give you some comfort? I've had those before. I remember one time I was at Ottawa Walmart, and I got a phone call from somebody from church saying, hey, do you hear that this is going on? And it completely knocked me down flat. And so it knocked me down flat with something that was going on out here at church, and I thought, oh, man, this is bad. So I started calling every board member, every board member, and not a single one answered their phone. And as I got done calling every board member, it was almost like the Lord said, do you want to talk to me about it? It's like, not now, Lord, I'm busy, you know? Haven't you ever done that? You've had a bad day. It's like, oh, i got to talk to so-and-so. Well, how about the Messiah? Or, you know, you've had a bad day, and i got to call up the pastor. I gotta, and I'm not saying don't call me up. But what about the Lord first? Now, that's the one thing I guess I wish I could ingrain into everybody, is take it to God first. Because He's God. You know, that's one of the things I try to do with the boys, is if they're having a hard time with something, they come to me, and I see they're frustrated by something. I usually ask them, have you prayed about it yet? No? Okay, well, why don't you go pray about it real quick? And then why don't you come talk to me? Let's, let's go to the Lord first. Now, I'm not going to pick on Joseph too much because if I was in an Egyptian jail, sold as a slave, and in prison for a crime I did not commit, and I saw somebody who basically I could say, hey, I scratched your back or you scratched my back and help me get out of here, well, Lord, I'm just going to assume that's your will. It wasn't. Two years later, Joseph is still in there. 
Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. I don't even know what to say to that. Verse 20, Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Verse 1, real quick, of chapter 41. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Now we have to stop right there. As we mentioned last week, We know that Joseph was in prison for at least two years. It could have been possibly a decade plus. We don't know. We know it was at least two years, and two years is too long. Now, here's the final points that I want to make about this. We spent a lot of times talking about dreams. Really, the main point you need to realize is everything has to be filtered through the Word of God. And it's not just dreams. It's anything you hear, anything you read, anything you study, any conversations you have with coworkers, friends, or family members. We're living in a world and society now where this concept of truth is no longer a finality. Everybody has their own definition of truth. And remember what the Bible says about truth. There are three truths in this world. The Holy Spirit is truth, Jesus is truth, and God's Word is truth. Those are the only three truths we have. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God's Word. So if somebody comes up to me and tells me something and it does not line up with the nature of Jesus, I'm not going to believe it. If it does not line up with the scriptures, I'm not going to believe it. If it's not something that would come from the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to believe it. It's not truth. And we live in this world now where everybody is trying to push their own definition of truth. If the only thing you get out of tonight's message is truth, then take it. It has to line up with the nature of Jesus, who the Holy Spirit is, and God's Word. It has to. If it doesn't, it is not truth. No matter what they say, be it a vision, be it a dream, be it a passage, be it a great argument, it has to line up with the Scriptures. And the only way you can know what the Scriptures say is by being in the Scriptures yourself. The only way to know what the nature of Jesus is is by studying who Jesus is. And the only way to know what the Holy Spirit would lead us to do is by studying who the Spirit is. And that all comes from being in the Word. We have to know that. Point number two, I want to make this right here at the end, is this idea of verse 23, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Forgot him. That's a pretty powerful word. Can you go with me real quick? Psalm 13. Psalm 13. You ever been forgotten by your parents? You probably don't want to admit this, parents. Have you forever forgot one of your kids someplace? Some of you are laughing. I know some people have forgotten kids because they've come back to church to get them. So I've seen that side of it. Psalm 13. Short psalm, powerful psalm. Verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Have you ever felt like that? I mean, seriously, my prayers are falling on deaf ears. I'm in the Word. I'm not getting anything out of the Word. I'm coming to church. I'm not getting anything out of this. It's like this huge chasm between me and the Lord. I I, I just, Lord, have you forgotten me? Are you hiding from me? 
Verse 2, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Does that not sound like some of us? I think I'm forgotten by the Lord. It looks like God's playing hide-and-go-seek with me. My heart is full of sorrow. Verse 3, consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. What the psalmist says in verse 3 is instead of going down to this pit of despair, discouragement, and depression, the psalmist stops and says in verse 3, Open my eyes because I'm not seeing what you want me to see. I just prayed that recently on something. It's like, Lord, I don't understand what you're trying to do here. Can you, can you open my eyes to this? Verse 4, Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I have moved. But the psalmist ends strong. Verse 5. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. There are six short verses there. You can either focus on verses 1 and 2 and do the woe is me, God's forgotten me, no one cares, no one understands, and you can stay in that darkness. Or you could pray verse 3, open my eyes, and live in verses 5 and 6. I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. All of us struggle with some type of discouragement. All of us struggle with some type of loneliness. All of us struggle with some type of disappointment in how things are going, be it spiritually, emotionally, or physically. We're in a Joseph moment. I'm in jail and I'm forgotten. But... Lord, open my eyes, verse 5, I trust in you, I rejoice in you, verse saying, I sing to you, and I know you'll get me through this. One more passage here on Psalms, and then we're done. Can you go to Psalm 42? Psalm 42, please. Psalm 42, jump ahead to verse 9. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Once again, have we not been in verses 9 and 10? Uh, Lord, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forgotten me? And it's just this heartbreaking, verse 9, oppression. Verse 10, it's like your bones are broken, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Verse 10, where is your God? Look at verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Three little words there. Hope in God. See, Joseph, once again, in prison for a crime he didn't commit, forgotten by the Lord. Mankind forgot him. I mean, seriously, that guy owes him a pretty big favor. Two years later, it finally comes to pass. Joseph, hope in God. The Bible makes it clear in Psalms that this was something the Lord was using to prepare his heart for something bigger and better. And the Lord then does that. So I don't know where you're at here today as you came in here this evening. But I can just tell you this. God has not forgotten you. The Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And the Bible says hope in God. Psalm 13, Psalm 42. If you're struggling tonight, I encourage you, go home and for your night devotions before you go to bed, Psalm 13, Psalm 42. Read those, study those, and let the Lord bless you. You may be in a good spot right now, and you may be saying, I'm feeling pretty good. Amen. 
Psalm 13, Psalm 42 for somebody you know is struggling. You'll run into somebody this week and they're going to talk about being in a difficult spot. Psalm 13, Psalm 42. Give them the medicine of the Lord there. Anybody have any final questions, comments here about anything before we go ahead and close up? Well, this puts us in real good position for next week, Genesis 41. Love Genesis 41. Pharaoh has a dream. All of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, the butler remembers Joseph. Joseph comes out, and in an instant, he's now helping run Egypt. God's got a plan for this. And now we finally get to see the plan come to pass. Hey, let's pray, and let you guys go with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for just the time to learn of you and grow in you. And Lord, I pray for those two simple points. Help us to trust your truth and everything we believe or think. Let it go through the filter of you, your nature, your spirit, and your word. Lord, also help us in the difficult times to hope in you. You have not forgotten us, Lord. Thank you for that. And Lord, one more time, I just want to pray for just that situation going on over in Afghanistan. Those men and women over there serving in a very difficult spot. Your hand to be upon them just as we speak right now, Lord, and give us peace and give them peace too. In your name we pray, amen. If we could have some help getting the chairs put back together here, we would appreciate that. And you guys have a good evening and God bless.